Welcome to Work and Play, the award-winning podcast of Constanji Brooks Smith & Profit, where we discuss employment news and provide practical insights and tips that you can use at your company or in your practice. I'm your host, Susan Basford-Wilson, and today I am absolutely delighted to have with me two very special guests. My partner, Piyumi Samarantunga, immigration lawyer and head of Constanji's Minneapolis office, and Hubert Jolie. He is the former chairman and CEO of Best Buy and credited with the company's overwhelmingly successful transformation and sustained success. Additionally, he's the author of The Heart of Business, Leadership Principles for the Next Era of Capitalism, which was published on May 4th by Harvard Business Review Press and can be ordered via oberjali.org. Um, Aubert is currently a senior lecturer at Harvard Business School, where he teaches on issues of business transformation, corporate sustainability, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Piyumi, Aubert, I am delighted to have you join the podcast today. Well, thank you, Susan. Thank you, Susan. Obera, I want to start with you. You have had an absolutely incredible career. You're currently a Harvard Business School senior lecturer, but I think many people will know you best as the former CEO and chairman of Best Buy. However, is it fair to say that when you took over at Best Buy, uh, things looked a bit bleak? And yet within a few years, you were able to turn the company around. What would you say was the key to this success um, when so many in the same industry had struggled and even disappeared during this time? Well, uh, Susan, thank you for the question. Obviously, it was uh, the 125,000 people working at the company that were key and a philosophy that we pursued. It's a philosophy that, you know, what I believe is at the heart of business is this idea that business is there to pursue a noble purpose. You put people at the center. You embrace all stakeholders and you create an environment where every employee can blossom and you treat profit uh, as an outcome. And that's not just words. That's what we actually did. We, you know, during the turnaround, a lot of people were telling me, you're going to have to cut, 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 you know, close doors and, uh, you know, reduce headcount. And so we did the opposite. We studied with people. We listened to the frontliners. We gave them the tools that they needed to uh, to do their job, like the price matching policy, as an example, um, and then we created an environment where, you know, I like to call it, we created human magic. And for me, uh, you know, it really shifted into high gear when we decided that at the core, a company was not a consumer electronics retailer, but we are a company that was focused on enriching people's lives through technology by addressing uh, key human needs. Um, which is really a way to expand your addressable market and, and then really mobilize the uh, the employees. And beyond that strategy, it was all about creating that environment where. And let me let me give you a very quick story. This is, you know, one day I run into an associate. He tells me that his life has changed the day a manager recognized him and took an interest in him. And so my my uh, French uh, compatriot, uh, you know, the philosopher René Descartes of the Cartesian philosophy said, I think, therefore I am. No, I think it's I'm seen, therefore I am. And, you know, in this uh, context, so important for us as leaders to create an environment where everyone uh, can belong. And, and, 
I know we're going to talk about this, but diversity, inclusion, creating a sense of, uh, of belonging, so uh, important. That's how every one of us can feel that they can give, give their best, their best to each other, their best to the customers, to the community, and eventually to the shareholders as an important stakeholder. So that's the underlying philosophy. And of course, we go into much more detail in, in the heart of business, the book. That is amazing. Um, and I love your point about making sure that everyone feels seen. Um, and and I, I bet that was behind uh, your diversity of the leadership team and board before you left Best Buy. Uh, why did you feel that diversity was important there? And how did you make that happen? I know that's something that many organizations struggle with. Yeah, and I will admit, Susan, that I am myself an immigrant, right? I was born in France, and I was welcomed by this uh, by this country. So the work that PUB and others at your firm do to help, you know, a whole variety of people get into the country and, and you know, be able to have a life here is uh, so important. Why is diversity and inclusion so important? It's a business imperative. You know, why on earth would a company decide that it's really smart to only recruit from a quarter of the population, white men. <laughs> that would be crazy. I mean, <laughs> nothing wrong with white men. I'm one of those. But why would you limit yourself when there's so much talent across, you know, uh, gender and race? Uh, and so that's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, in business, your leadership team, your team needs to represent, be representative of the customers you're going to serve, of the community you're going to serve. As an example, in some parts of Chicago, you know, if your blue shirts don't speak Polish, they're not going to sell anything. You know, it's as simple as <laughs> uh, as this. And you know, of course, Best Buy is headquartered in you know Minneapolis, and, and recently we've had the, the trial and the, the verdict in the in the George Floyd you know uh, murder case. When the mm-hmm. when the community is on fire. Right, you cannot open your stores. You cannot run a business. So above and beyond just uh, making sure your company is diverse, you also have a responsibility to make sure that the community uh, thrives. So it's easy, I think, to understand from your head and your heart, and then it's about doing it. Because frankly, I think if we look back, there's not been enough progress uh, around building true diversity and inclusion uh, across across companies. I now believe that. Uh, People are convinced that this needs to be done. So it's a matter of now doing it. So what does it take? It takes will. You know, at Best Buy, we did uh, have a big focus at the top. Melody Hobson, this wonderful uh, leader, told me, Hubert, you cannot be who you cannot see. And so I thought that starting with the board of directors of the company was very powerful. And so when I left the company, the majority of the board was women. And we had three African-American directors. How hard can it be? A board is 10 people, roughly, or 12. How hard can it be to, to do this? But it doesn't, it cannot just stay there. You have to review all of your recruiting practices, how you promote and retain people. Use your power with suppliers as well. You know, I love the, the general counsel at uh, the Coca-Cola company. Maybe you guys can call him. He said, I want to build a diverse group of, um, of law firms that are diverse from a racial standpoint in particular, and with emphasis on, on black, uh, diversity around black uh, lawyers. And he said, every quarter, I'm going to review your progress. And if you're not making progress, 
I'm going to reduce your fees by 30%. You know, so here's a case of a big company using its power to move things forward. So uh, this is this is not a marginal issue. It's a central issue for any company and any leader who wants to do well. I love the concept of using your power to create positive change, not only at your company, but in the community and in the country at large. Um, Piyumi, as an immigration attorney and someone who has herself, like Aubert, immigrated from another country, I think you have a unique perspective on the importance of diversity in a thriving workplace as well that I'd love for you to share. Absolutely, Susan. Uh, Ube, of course, is uh, Exhibit A for uh, what diversity can and has done. Having entered this country as an immigrant himself uh, on a work-authorized visa, he then went on to turn around Best Buy uh, to be among the most successful global retail organizations. And that came from his diverse experience and skill set and thinking. You know, success in life and in business is not deeply rooted in academic learning that comes from a very homogeneous sector. And, And no geographic location has a stranglehold on excellence. We are better when we are together. And that's what we do for our organizations, our client organizations. These are organizations either on a global platform or on a local platform that want to ha- attract, retain, and promote the best talent they can lay their hands on. And if that talent happens to come in the shape and a form of a non-U.S. worker, then they want that talent for exactly what Upea said you know, uh, the diversity that they bring in order to spark, borrowing from your book, Ubea, human magic. That magic in turn makes the pie bigger and richer, not smaller and poorer. So diversity is, like Ubea said, a non-negotiable now for our long-term success. Having been at Constanji for 10 years, I can personally attest to the fact that at this firm, diversity is in our DNA and has been since the founding of the company 75 years ago. And I have to say, from my experience, it creates more amazing teams and more amazing results, frankly, to have a variety of perspectives on it, um, any given subject. Um, Hubert, we were excited to hear about your new book, The Heart of Business. And in your book, you outline the importance of leading with purpose and humanity, which is something you touched on earlier in our conversation. I, I absolutely love this, this concept. Can you tell our listeners a bit more about your philosophy? Yeah, thank you, Susan, and, and, and thank you again for the work you guys do uh, in the diversity and inclusion uh, space and being such great role models. I mean, more like that, right? So as it relates to the book, if, if we step back, you know, there is no doubt today that the world we live in is, you know, facing a multifaceted crisis, right? A health crisis, of course, economic crisis, societal crisis, 
racial crisis, environmental crisis, and then plus geopolitical uh, tensions. So what's the definition of madness, right? Do the same thing and hope for a different outcome. That's according to Albert <laughs> And for me, the two, you know, on my FBI most wanted list, uh, responsible for the mess, uh, I think there's Milton Friedman with his idea of shareholder primacy. And then Bob McNamara, the former Secretary of Defense in the 60s, that invented this concept of scientific management. You take a smart a group of smart people to tell you what to do and then measure and, and, and reward accordingly. Th- these two approaches really don't work. And so my conviction today, like many, is that we need to reinvent. We need to have a refoundation of business and capitalism so that we can create a more sustainable uh, future, a better outcome. And uh, in the book, you know, we, we talk about the different facets. We actually start with an invitation to personal reflection around why do we work? What is work for us? Is it a curse because some, you know, or punishment because some dude sinned in paradise? Is it something we do so that we can do something else that's more fun, like watching a Vikings game, you know, beating the, the Green Bay Packers, which for us in Minnesota is, is always fun? Uh, or is it part of our search for meaning? Uh, uh, in our quest for fulfillment, or like the, the Lebanese poet uh, Khalil Gibran said, you know, work is love made visible. I think that's for us to decide. Uh, and of course, there's a connection to the business discussion, because for me, a company at the end of the day is a human organization made of individuals working together in pursuit of a goal. And frankly, that goal is not profit. Profit is an imperative. It's an outcome. It's the result of having a great team, customers, you know, great products, great operations. So it's it's an imperative. It's a result. But philosophically, humanly, it's not the goal. You know, when, you know, an exercise I sometimes invite leaders to do is, uh, you know, when you retire, what would be your retirement speech? Would it be that you've made, you know, a partner by the age of, of 28 or, you know, uh, or as a leader of a company, is it that you've uh, doubled the share price? Is that, you know, really what you want people to talk about? Or for your eulogy, right? How do you want to be remembered? And I think for me, uh, companies have to be a force for good in the world. You can do well by doing good. So the philosophy is a philosophy where as a North Star, you have the pursuit of a noble purpose for the company, which is at the intersection of what the world needs, what you're good at, what you're passionate about, and how you can make money. And again, for Best Buy, it was this idea of enriching lives through technology by addressing key human needs, which got us to get into, you know, in, into new spaces like uh, helping aging seniors live in their home independently, services like uh, you know, becoming your CTO, your CIO for your home, uh, things of that, uh, of that nature. But now, a lot of companies talk about purpose. The challenge... And that's what the book is in many ways about, is how do you make purpose a reality, right? Everybody agrees that, you know, doing well is, is, uh, by doing good is, is important, that you should embrace all stakeholders. But how do you lead? How do you, as Pumi was saying, right, unleash human magic? How should you evolve your leadership? And I think that there's a lot of reinvention for us. So the, the book is truly a guide on how to help everybody at the company connect what drives them with the purpose of the company, how to build genuine human connections, uh, you know, between people at, uh, at the company, how to create autonomy so that people can be 
you know, the biggest, best, most beautiful version of themselves? How do you, how do you help people acquire skills and, and grow as a leader? For me, the, the significant implications around it, and, and part of it is my own transformation. I grew up, uh, you know, uh, as a hard-charging, very analytical, you know, McKinsey consultant, very focused on optimizing performance and, and, and whatnot. And today, I'm somebody who believes in human magic, right? So that's a big transformation. And from a leadership standpoint, you know, the old model of the leader is the leader is the superhero uh, who is here to save the day, maybe the smartest person in the room, often driven by power, uh, fame, glory, or money, uh, telling other people what to do. That model, frankly, doesn't work. I, you know, you don't want to follow a leader like this, I think, at this point. Uh, and so for me, the model of leadership is this very human, purposeful leader who's very clear about their purpose, what drives them, curious about what drives people around them. So a specific trick, right? With your team, you know, um, spend time together. Share with each other your life journey and what drives you and why you are working here and how, you know, I had a store general manager, I'll pause for a, a quick story a store general manager in Boston, he would ask every one of the associates in his store, about 100 of them, what is your dream? At Best Buy or outside Best Buy. Okay, my job is to help you achieve your dream, right? And so it's a caring uh, leader. It's somebody who's clear that, uh, you know, they're not here to serve themselves or their boss or me as the CEO of the company. They're here to serve the organization. And then they're authentic. They are vulnerable. And they're really focused on creating that environment. So instead of telling people what is the answer, they create the environment in which every employee in their diversity and their own genius can be, uh, you know, effective and the best version of themselves. So it's, I think it's it's not, you know, during the French Revolution, Louis XVI asked, is this a revolt? And uh, Monsieur de la Rochefoucauld replied, no, sire, this is a revolution. I think this is a needed revolution. And I think it's incumbent upon each one of us to, you know, do our best to create a future that does not exist yet, uh, but that needs to be better than what we have and, and more sustainable. And, and hopefully my book, The Heart of Business, you know, is a contribution to that. You know, it's available now everywhere uh, on my website, uberjolie.org. There's more information, more materials. You can also order it there, but frankly, it's available everywhere. And I hope it's a useful tool. That's so helpful to to think about a leader as someone who is vulnerable, who asks questions, who is asking what's the best for his or her people. And Pumi, you and I have talked about this very idea before, that it is all about the people. If you're surrounded by good people, if you work with good people, then the sky is the limit for your organization. Absolutely, Susan. And you know that we at Constanji, uh, Brooks, Smith & Profit, embody that philosophy to work for an organization, as Ubia mentioned, that is so aligned with each individual employees and stakeholders' personal philosophy is, is, is a blessing. And it is about people. You remember only too well when the firm was you know, like most other organizations reeling with the ramifications early on due to the pandemic and the strain on revenues. 
our firm got together and the partner said, rather than going the traditional model of Ube, as you mentioned, cut, 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 we said, we, the cuts start at the top. And the partners decided they will, in order to protect every job, that they will take significant cuts first rather than laying anyone off. And that's the kind of philosophy, I think, that comes through again and again, Ubea, through your book. It is about people. It is about their dreams, just like the store manager at Best Buy, uh, Massachusetts uh, uh, store that you just referenced. It's about unleashing that human magic. And that then, in turn, allows us to do better. We all do better when we all do better. And to Upea's point about being heard and seen, for too long now in corporate America, the bottom of the pyramid has not been represented by the top of the pyramid. And until we can hear each other and see each other by sitting next to each other, in, in the same boardrooms and in the, at the same table, that true diversity of thoughts and perspective and skills and excellence will not come through. Yeah, it's so well said, PME. And, and, and again, that's an invitation for all of us, right? I think that our role as leader has changed so dramatically, so drastically in, you know, in the last little while. I think that, uh, you know, in the business world, our mission has changed. It's not just about shareholder value creation. It is about shareholder value creation, but it's about creating good in the world. It's not just about running a business. It's about embracing all stakeholders and, and creating that environment where every individual uh, can blossom. And, and then the leadership model has changed. It's not about the know-it-all, uh, you know, I know everything, uh, you know, kind of a leader. It's about a leader that uh, has this special touch and, and, and humanity that can embrace our, our, our wonderful, magical diversity and, and, and uh, you know, creates this wonderful outcome that, you know, I hope every one of us has at one point in their career been part of. And I think we have the power to create that on a much, much broader scale. So I think this is this is the beginning of a new era. It's a very exciting time. But it's really incumbent upon us to to do what we think you know will be needed to create that better outcome. Thank you, Hubert Piumi. Thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your experiences and your thoughts about diversity. You've given our listeners much to think about and consider. You can learn more about Hubert and order his book, The Heart of Business, by going to huberjolly.org. And finally, before we sign off, I want to make my typical request of our listeners. It would be wonderful if those of you listening would follow us, rate us, and especially leave us a written review on iTunes so that other people who are interested in employment law can find us. We hope you tune in again next month for the next episode in our mini-series on diversity, celebrating 75 years of diversity at Constanti Brooks Smith & Profit. Thank you.